I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I am so thrilled to be putting out this conversation today as a parent who has two teenagers and a tween. um, I am completely in the thick of trying to figure out how to have these incredible, uh, uncomfortable conversations um, about sex and porn and uh, what consent looks like and um, all of these areas that I'm trying to navigate without really ever having any education on how to do that. Um, which is why, uh, only one of the reasons really why I was so excited to talk to Erica Lust, who is a woman who I have been um, so inspired by in as far as um, trying to spread sex positive messages and, um, you know, to, to talk about the uncomfortable conversations. Uh, and she truly is... Um, it, for lack of a better term, an innovator in the porn industry. Um, Erica Lust is an award-winning filmmaker creating sex-positive indie adult cinema that portrays sexually intelligent narratives, relatable characters, and realistic hot sex. In an industry that often fails to show true representation of sex, Erica's focus on female pleasure, cinematic values, diversity, and an ethical production process have helped to change how pornography is consumed. And now Erica has sort of taken things to a different level and and she has this other mission on top of all of the ways that she's trying to spread the message of how um, there are these different types of porn. We, 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 we tend to clump it all together, right? And, and, and it has this, this one term that we use for all of it, porn. But there is ethical porn, there's unethical porn, there's feminist porn, um, there is misogynistic porn, there is all of these different levels and nuances and everything that really, it's not right or fair or accurate to just have this one term that covers it all. Um, And so what she's trying to do is educate everybody about, or as many people as possible, about these, um, these, these nuances about porn and, and how to talk about it and how uh, to watch it in, in, in a forum that is going to um, be supportive of the people involved and rather than, a, a, you know, a free site where you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Everything um, with Erica Lust is very transparent. Um, and she is that type of filmmaker who is not only working on creating, you know, uh, really great content, but she takes 
incredible care of everybody who is working on the project. And now she's trying to show parents how to have these conversations with our kids. Um, and the Porton Conversation is a nonprofit project by Erica Lust that offers free and easily accessible tools for families and educators to talk to young people about sex, beginning with the topic of porn literacy. I loved this conversation. I'm so grateful to Erica Lust for taking the time to talk to us. I have been wanting to talk to her for a few years now. She has an incredibly busy schedule and so many amazing projects going on. Um, please go check her website out and check out the porn conversation. Um, I think you're really going to learn so much from this. I know I did. Um, and enjoy. Hi, Erica. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. Good. Uh, we had um, some, we were just talking about, we had some back and forth about hectic lives and rescheduling recordings. And definitely. Um, yes, so I'm so glad we're finally here. I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. I think ever since I saw your TED talk a few years ago, um, oh. and it just, it blew me away. Uh, it was just wonderful. What was that like to give a TED talk? Well, you know what? I have given two now because I did another one uh, this summer, actually, early June, and it was just uh, released on YouTube. Oh. Uh, but what happened was that that actually, you know, as I'm talking about porn, uh, they kind of decided to censure it. So it was up for everybody for four days to watch. And now if you want to watch it, it's, you know, you have to log into your account to make sure you're 18. Uh, and it's me talking about porn, you know, analyzing the industry, talking about the importance of, of, of the reality we live in, that porn has become mass media and that we have to deal with it uh, as mass media. And that means that it's getting to everyone, getting to, to, to young kids, you know. And I think that we really have to understand the importance of, of, of porn literacy and of sex education. I don't think there's any other way out of it. Uh, but uh, the experience of giving a TED talk, it's kind of nerve wracking uh, because it's a lot of work into it, of course. First, you need to be very sure about what you want to talk about. And then you have to prepare yourself because the two talks that I have given have been in big opera houses. So with, you know, an audience of 2000 people and, you know, big stages and uh, it felt a little like a theater performance. And I was, I was very, especially first time, I was very, very nervous before getting out there on stage. But then there's something with kind of live theater and with live audience that I really enjoy. And, you know, I was a theater kid when I was younger and I always kind of liked the idea of, of the stage. I actually like it better than the camera because in front of the camera, I get very nervous. But when I, you know, have the audience, I feel that I can reach them and I can talk to them. And there's another kind of energy and connection in the room. Definitely. But the irony of the fact that they, they, censored the talk that you're trying to give to educate everybody about porn and that is your exact goal is to talk about it openly and honestly and when you try to do that they censor it just shows you how incredibly difficult it is for us to get any kind of 
real education out there and all of the blocks and the limitations that are put up when you're trying to talk about something that is already saturating our lives, you know, whether, whether people want it there or not. So, um, yeah, so that is- this is the world we live in this year for me has been a hard year because also, uh, in the beginning of the year, they banned my Instagram account. I had half a million of followers and from one day to another, it was gone. And I tried, you know, every way of getting it back, etc. impossible. Now I started a new one, but you know, I, 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 I feel that it's a huge struggle just to be able to express myself about sex because this is not, I I, I was not banned because I was showing explicit images because right. obviously I know that I cannot do that. That was never my intention. I respect the guidelines, etc. But what is happening at this moment is that it's really the, the white rich uh, tech guys who are deciding what we are allowed to talk about and what we are allowed to show and as many of them have you know grown up in this society they have quite chauvinistic values uh, right. so they think that if you show an image of uh you know a sexy woman showing herself off in a bikini that is okay or if a man decides that he wants to show one of his awards or trophies on a woman's butt, that is okay. But then if you want to show two people naked without without seeing obviously their bodies, but intertwined romantically kissing each other, that image is not okay. So there's really, I think, a problem at this moment on what they consider acceptable and what they don't consider acceptable and what they consider sexy and what they consider sexual. Right. Right. And the problem with Instagram and all these other social media is that they just have these keywords that they use. It's almost like there's not even a human being behind it. It's just you know, and so the stuff that that should be getting banned oftentimes isn't, and the stuff that is, it's just a mess. Yes, so, it's very frustrating. Uh, yeah. Yes. Very, very frustrating. Yeah. So I wanted to go back and talk a little bit about the how you your journey became this because you just put out something um, that you're calling the porn conversation, and and you want to get through to parents about talking to kids about porn, but you had a long journey getting to this point and you've been in the industry for quite a while now. So I just wanted you to give people a background about how you got into um, what you call, you know, feminist porn and sex positivity. Um, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been quite a ride. And uh, it started, uh, it started when I was a young adult, I would say when I was back at university, I was studying political science, and I was interested in sex, as most people are wanting to know more, wanting to understand my own sexuality, my identity, what I liked, what I didn't like, etc. And I did watch porn, I think many, many young people do to learn 
learn about sex and to understand. Uh, there, I see the little cat in the there's, back. There's animals all over this house. I, I, got, I got distracted. <laughs> lots and I, lots of distraction you know, always. I, I love animals. So it's just, you know, when you see them, you go, wow. Right. No, so so back to university. Well, you know, I, I had a typical boyfriend. I would say he brought uh, porn to to our home and we were starting to watch it together and I realized quite quickly that I was very attracted to to the feeling of getting excited by watching explicit images but at the same time I was not really fulfilled and I didn't really like what we were watching it felt to me that that the cinematic quality was totally out of touch, that the characters had very little to do with, with, with kind of my sense of, of, of what, how I find people attractive. Uh, the narratives were very based around women doing favors to men somehow. Uh, and, and the, you know, the men were the center in these films, really. It was about their sexual experiences Women were used as some kind of tools or vehicles to get them to their, their ejaculation. And to me, that felt like I had this feeling that my, my, my body liked it, but my brain didn't like it. There was this discrepancy somehow going on. And I was studying political science at that time. And I was very interested in power balances and structures and trying to kind of deconstruct and analyze things. So I started to talk to my friends about it and, you know, just having kind of conversations about porn saying, Hey, have you watched it? Do you like it? What, what, what do you think? And I realized, that most of my my male friends they were very comfy with porn porn was part of their life they watched it they liked it um they used it uh, for their own pleasure without any feeling of guilt or shame or anything but most of my female friends they had a very kind of similar feeling to mine you know they they had this kind of thing going on do I like it do I not like it should I use it or not are the women really treated well you know they they yeah. started to have kind of all these questions uh about it and then, and then the shame that follows watching it exactly and not really sharing it with other people mm -hmm. uh and and then i started to think quite a lot about about this kind of gender differences that how strange why is it something that that is so easy for men and so difficult for women and the more i kind of got into it and was watching and reading articles and trying to educate myself because i'm you know i'm a curious person and when i get interested in something i kind of just jump into it and want to really understand it and get to know more about it so then I found this wonderful book by uh, a film professor called Linda Williams uh, from Berkeley. And she had written uh, this book about pornography. And when I started to read the book, I realized that, oh, my God, porn is so much more than just porn. It is actually this kind of discourse about sexuality, about, you know, femininity and masculinity and the roles we play sexually. And... In that book, it became very clear to me that porn was made basically by men 
for men, but there were very, very few women inside the industry, outside the roles, kind of a makeup artist or actress, you know? Uh, and and I started to think about, so if if I would make it, would I make it different? And then I, I, I started to Google and to find if there were any other kind of female film directors who had been doing, you know, porn, making porn. And I found this, this woman called Candida Royale who started to make porn as a director in uh, 84. And when I started to watch her films, I saw a huge difference. The way she was, you know, interested in the female characters, in their stories, in their narratives, how they were erotic beings and they were not only there to please others, but they were there for their own stories. So for me, that was one of my kind of biggest aha moments where I said, it is possible. I see that it's possible. I want to try it, you know? I want to try to make a movie on my own to see what would happen if I kind of apply my values, my ideas, and then just, you know, make something. Would it be different? And 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 when I when I told friends, many of them were laughing at me. They were like, Erica, come on, you know, porn is born it's not meant to be different but I was convinced that that it could really be different and uh, you know 20 something years after I've seen that it is possible you know and um my company has grown today we are you know 52 people working wow. in Barcelona in our offices uh, some of them in in the production department making the films together with me but many other people in you know uh, positions uh, of distribution organizing the platforms we have kind of created online uh, you know there's people working in marketing in press in finances right. in administration it's uh, you know it became a real company not without struggles of course because having a business in anything that is kind of sex related or adult related is complicated yeah. uh, as we started the conversation a while ago you know talking about censorships and and about banning and the limits and and I had many many doors closed you know in my face kind of telling me that that I'm not allowed to to exist or to use their platforms we had to create you know streaming services we had to you know negotiate with 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 the credit card processors because the the fees you know in in the adult world are very high and they have nothing to do with other businesses because we are considered high risk so we are not you we are not allowed to use paypal or or stripe or you know oh, wow. uh, the kind of the, the the normal way of making a business you know the same way as we are not allowed to advertise we are not allowed to 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 be there you know so it's it's really i think that we have we have grown because people love what we do because people who are watching our movies they talk to other people about our movies yeah. and and 
at the same time as 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 I've seen how this industry has has evolved during these years, uh, I've seen how the the kind of independent adult industry has you know uh, become bigger and bigger. We are still just a crumble of what the adult you know industries and what the business is, but we do exist, and we are you know directors, uh, many female directors, LGBTQI folks, uh, BIPOC folks, people from different backgrounds and different visions showing that, you know, sex can be told from other perspectives. It doesn't have to be the stereotyped stories that we have, you know, been shown on all these online uh, tube sites that basically has been taking over the, the the industry and are dominating porn as we know it today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah, and there's so many different levels because there's the level of the content that you're creating and having, you know, the power to uh, feature women and LGBTQ and, you know, all of these different backgrounds content wise and what you're putting out there, the viewership of it and what people are consuming on the other end. But there's also the way that you're able to make sure that, you know, in the industry, so many women are treated so terribly. Um, So there's that side of it too, where, you know, there's a safety factor for these people who you're, you know, employing and, and who are, I think it's the only way you can work in this industry, you know, because this is, this is sex work is work. This is serious work. You know, you need to take care of people. You need to, to, to be very clear with what is, what, what, what this scene kind of, of consistent, what you want them to do. You need to get to know the people to make sure what are their boundaries that they are working with other people that they do like and respect uh, that there's a line of communication that you as a director and a producer and as a company that you really can 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 try to make take care of them the best possible way uh, and and i mean in the end everything it's about really about conversation it's about uh communicating with people about opening up and 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 making them feel part of the process uh and 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 obviously uh not luring people into this industry which is something that you know we have we all have seen how 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 the porn industry sometimes have been operating trying to get young people to kind of join the industry saying hey i will pay you big money you do this and 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 they have not really been responsible uh in the sense of explaining to to these young people 
what it entails and what it will mean for their lives. Because it's obvious uh, that, you know, if you are having explicit sex in a video and that video is put online, that video will, you know, exist forever online. That video will be seen by many, many people. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you have to be prepared for that. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I have conversations with people who are are asking asking me because, you know, we we get um, emails from people every day who want to join the industry, and I always tell them to really to take their time and to think about it. One of the questions I used to ask them is, "Have you told your mom?" Right. Right. <laughs> And, 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 and your dad. <laughs> exactly, because that 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 tells a lot about where they stand and what what relationship they have, you know, to 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 their families and 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 that they don't see this as uh, a, a little kind of secret, a little dirty secret, yeah. because I don't think that is the right approach in this industry. I think you have to take it seriously and you have to be informed and you have to be aware uh, to get into this. Right. And that's so true that when you when you think about the conversation that you would have to have with your parents to say, um, this is something that I want to do. And number one, to, you know, not have them, again, this whole shame factor and to not have them uh, not understand what it actually is because there's so little conversation about it all. And, And as parents now, I think we're so, there's such confusion about how are we supposed to be talking to our kids, aren't we? And I know that there's, you know, obviously, yes, you want to have a conversation about everything. But I know that there are so many people out there who don't know how to open up that conversation. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, in your own, I know you have kids and everything. And what what do those conversations look like to you? What What should they look like for all of us? in order to have a conversation that's not only um, about the actual acts that take place in porn, but about the overall idea of how, you know, women's pleasure should be perceived. And, you know, I have two boys, I have a teenage son and a, you know, an 11 year old. And these are conversations that we are trying to have. It is hard. But, um, but, you know, we have books around the house and, you know, I leave stuff in the bathroom thinking maybe they'll pick it up when they're on the toilet or, but it is, I mean, we, I consider myself a very, you know, open-minded person. And even for me, it's very hard. But obviously it's hard for most people because they haven't they haven't had these conversations themselves when they grow up. They didn't have parents who who talked to us about, about sex and, and, and about porn. But it's also true that I was born in 77. If I go back to when I was a kid, porn uh, was not as accessible as it is today. I think that's, that's the, the first thing we need to acknowledge because when I start talking about porn, there's many parents telling me, what, why are you 
why are you even thinking that we should talk about porn with our kids? We should protect our kids from porn. And then, you know, when we when we kind of get into that conversation, I explain to them that that they don't really have that choice of not talking about porn anymore. Maybe they have that you know, 30 years ago, they could avoid talking about porn and have someone else, you know. Right, when you could, the, the most you could do was steal a Playboy off of it. A... Exactly. It, yeah. it was not, at, it didn't have the same impact. But totally. today, if we look at the internet and we realize that porn is almost a third of the internet traffic, you know, it's huge. It's mass media. It's out there, uh, you know, since these big companies, these tube sites, this adult tube sites started to kind of take over the industry because in the beginning of internet, porn was behind a payment barrier. Uh, still there's porn behind the payment barrier. Obviously, like for example, my company, all the porn that we are doing is behind the payment barrier. So you have to be an adult, you have to have access to a credit card to be 18, to be able to access it. But the free online adult sites, they are, you know, unregulated they're putting their their porn out for from for anyone so what we are seeing today is that uh eight years olds nine year olds 11 year olds 12 year olds are already half of them have watched porn that's the situation so uh if you are naive as a parent and you don't want to see that reality well you're kind of leaving your kids in the hands of the people who are making that kind of porn because they are going to get to your kids sooner or later. Even if you tell me as a parent that you are great at technology and you have blocked all your, you know, all your screens at your home and your kids cannot get to the porn. I can tell you that they only have to go to the neighbor's house and to play with, you know, their friends or go to the cousin's house and they will have access to it. So don't think that you can control what they are going to see. And and when we're starting to realize that the only way of, of, of really helping them out here is by education. It's by conversation it's by you know explaining to them the reality of the situation Uh, so if we acknowledge that porn is mass media uh, then we also realize that porn is a kind of media that means that it's sending out messages right as any kind of media instagram is sending out messages television is sending out messages an article you read is sending out messages a picture you see a painting in a museum whatever media we are talking about this podcast is sending out clear messages right porn is sending out messages so if we start seeing it that way then we realize that it would be very helpful for young people to become porn literate to be able to understand porn as a media and be able to kind of to 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 understand the messages that they are seeing so i think that as a parent if you are daring enough to be open about porn you could start the conversation just by saying 
have you ever watched porn? If you dare, if you don't, where many kids would, would go like, no, no, no. And you do, because, you know, I read this article. You can always kind of use references of other people's stories. You don't have to make them so personalized. So you can go, you know, I read this article and I was surprised because I didn't realize that most people 12 years or above have watched porn. Wow. Have, have, have any of your friends watched it? You know, just kind of putting out so so they don't feel that they are kind of on display, but but still you are open to talk about this. Yeah. Um and as you were saying before, uh, buying some books or a magazine with an article, or even, you know, if, if you don't want to talk about it, sending a link to an article or or to a, a site where, where, you know, they're talking about sex education for kids. Something like that can be very, very helpful because I think that most kids, what they want to see is that their parents are open to it. Maybe they don't want to talk about it, but they want to know that they have a possibility to talk about it if they would need to, etc. And then I I used to tell people that 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 it's also for me like, you know, I wouldn't send my daughters to a bar or a discotheque without talking to them about, you know, alcohol, cigarettes, potential drugs, you know. They yeah. hold because I want them to be prepared for that situation. But what we do is that we do send them out on the internet without really explaining to them what they are going to encounter on the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's also it's also a good thing to be very open as a parent. You could say, you know, I I watch porn myself sometimes, but. You know, I have this feeling that I don't like it that much because I see lots of these messages that I don't agree with, that they don't really go with my values. I see that they are treating women very aggressively, that the language they are using when they are talking about women many times is bitch, slut. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't I don't like that way. I've even seen horrible things like tiny teenies getting destroyed. I don't really understand how people can get turned on by that kind of values or the fetishization of race that I've seen on some of these tube sites shocks me because I, I don't think that we should categorize people that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that if, if, if we're kind of explaining to our teens that we see these as damaging messages and that we see porn as a construct because porn is, is, is a fiction, it's not real. Even if many people think that porn is real, it's filmed media. Yeah. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's fictional. These are performers, professional performers, gladiators of sex, you know, performing in front of the camera, knowing what they are doing. You know, the way porn is filmed, uh, it's, you know, these people are, have had conversations about what they are going to do before they are doing it. They are having breaks 
while they are making it. You know, maybe it looks like this guy is, you know, going on like a penetrative sex machine for minutes and minutes. And in reality, maybe he went to the bathroom five times to, you know, yeah. to maybe they have, you know, water breaks. Maybe, you know, there's there's lubricant. There are other things that that people don't really know about. And I think it's helpful for young people to understand that because otherwise uh, we have this situation where they are watching porn before they're even having sex and they think that that porn is the same as sex and then they you know go out to their own lives and they start having sexual relationships and they are programmed they are reproducing what they have learned on these you know online tube sites in their own lives and they are they are not really understanding why they their bodies are not working the same way as 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 the porn performers i have conversations with young women every day while they you know talking to me and they're saying hey you know especially when they're having heterosexual sex that it's not working for them because most guys are into you know four minutes of hard vaginal penetration and and in porn it seems like the women are you know reaching their orgasms in reality very few women are reaching an orgasm with you know four minutes of hard vaginal penetration if you don't get some clitoral stimulation it's very hard to 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 get there so porn is misinformation miseducation about sex and that is what we need to communicate to them and the only way they can understand that is if they have the the critical thinking of being able to analyze media mm-hmm. and if they have sex education in their schools so they know what the body how the body works what sex is mm-hmm. uh, that's how 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 they can kind of relate to the reality of sex. Yeah, I was thinking when you started talking about the critical thinking component of it, I think even maybe because the word porn is so, it's such a trigger word, right? Like we hear it and we run in the other direction, you know, even, even if we're, then we're going into our room and watching it, it, we're not, you know, we're, when we're out outside of our bedrooms, or wherever we're watching it, you know, it becomes like, you know, a, oh my God, did they really just say that type of thing? And I think sometimes probably our kids will have the same, like run out the door if you, so, but I also think that if we're having these other conversations, maybe around the issue of porn, not, not to say like to completely avoid it, but if we're having, you know, the conversations about what consent looks like, if we're having the conversations about, you know, foreplay and the importance or women's pleasure and the importance, things you're never supposed to say to another person, um, you know, what, how, how you're supposed to talk to somebody, um, how you're not supposed to talk to somebody, then I think at least, if they are, if they turn on a video or their friend has a video on and they're seeing these things that they've been taught are not okay, then also they're going to kind of be like, oh, wait a minute, this, there's something wrong here. 
I agree with you 100%. And I've seen it and I know that it works. I've seen, you know, how 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 my daughters on, on a small scale, I've seen how they have kind of became agents of change in their communities. Oh, thanks great. to the, the information and the education they have about these subjects. I've seen, you know, my daughter in a WhatsApp group, uh, a new kid started her class, you know, Know, and send suddenly dick pics, explicit dick pics in the WhatsApp group, you know, conversation. And in one minute, she sent a message saying, take that down. If you are going to put these images in here, you are not going to be allowed to participate in this group. Wow. And two cool. minutes after, the kid took them down and said, wow, sorry, because someone told him that that was the hard boundary. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, this is really a reality. I've also seen, you know, just simple, small situations with, with my daughters, you know, growing up when suddenly, you know, a teacher wanted to, to hug and, and kind of, you know, my youngest daughter kind of said, no, I don't want to hug you because she knows what bodily autonomy looks like, you know, she has that feeling and, 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 and that, and she knows that, that she has the right to do what she wants to do and what she not want to do. So I think that 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 you are 100% right that if we help them to have this framework and and to understand what what sex is and what consent is and what it looks like and and we even kind of give them examples of these kind of conversations they are gonna pick up on it. I mean, kids in the end, they do listen to their parents. You know, yes. many people are like, hey, teenagers not interested in the parents. It's only the peers, but it's not true. Okay. The parents are the ones who have put the base for them, what to believe in and, and how to act in life. We have also seen this in negative situations, right? With people who are homophobic or people who are racist. Normally they are that because they have grown up in, in those communities, in those families, in those homes where those values have been the ones dominating the discourse, right? Mm -hmm. So the same happens with kids who grow up in, in families that dare to talk about sex and, and, and that are, you know, from a very young age already naming the body parts by the right words and who are giving them the feeling of, 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 of uh, that pleasure can be something positive. Yes, definitely. Out to their lives and they are going to, you know, they are going to show their communities how to work with, with those standards. I love that your daughter did that. And, and it's so interesting because I think so many parents would want their child to be that person who would set that hard boundary. But yet what, what, by, by pretending that the conversation doesn't exist and pretending that all of these, you, like you said, all these media and all of these messages don't exist. How do we possibly think that they are going to know how to do that, how to set these hard boundaries, how to, you know, be brave enough to speak up about it when their parents can. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even talk about it. No, no, that's impossible. We cannot expect that of them. If we cannot do it ourselves, we cannot expect that from them. But that's also why, even if we as as parents are trying to do the best we can and the best we know, it's very important that the school system steps in here. Because even if, if I, as a parent, can have this conversation with my daughters and take my responsibility, et cetera, maybe... You know, the other families are not are not able. They, they they just don't have enough information to do it. They don't have enough courage to do it. They don't know better. So what we really need is a school system who dares to step in here. And that is another experience that I, you know, have myself in my background. I am Swedish. I grew up in in, in Sweden and I had access to great. Uh, sex education from a very early age we had uh, sexologists coming into our school dividing us into smaller groups where we could you know really discuss things and talk about sex and not only about sex and the kind of physical aspects of it not only the fears of sex not only the risks in sex but we could actually talk about you know emotions and feelings and 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 for me, I think that made a huge difference. And probably it's one of the reasons why I'm doing the work I'm doing today, that I had, you know, that background. I had, I, fe- I felt, you know, strong from, from, from a, a young age. I know, and that's so awesome. Unfortunately, I think so many of us are not in a community that does that, especially here in the United States. I think besides from maybe you know some some independent private schools and some places in more progressive areas i think it's safe to say that the sex education really is awful in yeah. our in yeah. our one thing though that's been really good for for me is that um we happen to live in a place that the school system does have terrible sex education however um i grew i grew up in a community that had um a center for um for sex education for progressive sex education and and kids it was you know it's it's meant for lgbtq kids but they you know welcome all and so my daughter since she was in seventh grade has been going there once a week um and they talk about everything you know they your parent the parents have to sign a form and um but they have weekly meetings for kids where and it's incredible but you know again they can't really advertise. They don't, you know, they get a lot of pushback and everything. So parents really need to, to seek it out. You know, they need to do the, the research. And and does my community have a place like that? Because it very well might. The good thing is today that if you do want to seek it out, it is out there because on the internet, there are many, many good places where you can go and where you can educate yourself and that can show you other places and and even, as you were saying, physical places where you can go and get more information. So I think that that is something that is really, really positive. But at the same time, I think sex education for all 
uh, it is an issue of human rights and it's an issue of women's rights right. because we all know that in communities where there's a lack of sex education, the ones who suffer the worst are the women because they are getting into trouble with, with you know, early teen pregnancies. They don't have, uh, they don't have, um, the, 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 the economic means to to get their lives you know working and progress the way they need if they don't have access to good sex education right and now luckily a lot of it can be done virtually you know you can attend a class virtually or and find a you know you if you google well so and tell me about cuz you now have these resources so can you tell everybody about about what you're doing with the porn conversation it's so wonderful and i'm so grateful um, and I'm so excited for our audience to to learn about it because I know that there are so many people out there who want to, you know, it's not that we don't want to have the conversations. We don't have the tools. You know, exactly. And 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 for me, this is something that really started, you know, while my kids were growing up and I had many parents coming to me and saying, wow, Erica, have you told your daughters what you do? How do you talk to them about sex? You know, they were really kind of shocked. And and I started to tell them, you know, you know, the reality is that I have kind of an easy time with this because for me, it's not a huge secret. I don't feel like I'm some kind of Pablo Escobar who can't talk to my kids about, you know, my work, right. uh, etc. For me, this is very natural. But but this is not only me who's in this situation. This is all of us. So that's when I started to understand that I needed to, you know, to help people to, to start this conversation and to get more information on how to do it. So we started a site called the pornconversation.org uh, for parents and educators where you can find different kind of resources. Uh, but for parents, we have different guides that you can download uh, for different age groups, because obviously it's not the same to talk to your, you know, nine-year-old to, to talk to your 16-year-old. Here, different worlds, different situations. Uh, so the idea with these guides is kind of to 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 help you find situations uh, that where you could start this conversation and 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 tell you how not to do it, you know, not to 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 kind of to to shame them and 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 ban everything and be very hard, but rather just showing that you are open yeah. uh, to this. And then we also have because I know that many people lack sex education, so we also have great guides to different parts of sex education where you can actually learn more about sexual health or anatomy or you know sexual orientations or you know lgbtqi issues etc that's so wonderful so it's the pornconversation.org and uh, is it is there a subscription sometimes you... we have to see the p or the p conversation because we cannot use the word porn and i mean is isn't it, it's unreal it's unreal oh my gosh but yeah. i i think it's so great and i'm so thank you so much first of all for everything you do for women and for you know all different types of people and um you know you really 
your courage and, you know, it's, it's really awesome. And thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and if anybody wants to learn more about the porn conversation, uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. Um, and it will be on our Instagram and they'll be able to access it, uh, on, on, in all different areas. So thank you so much, Erica. Thank you very much. It's Aww. wonderful to be able to talk about things that we are not allowed to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> uh. <laughs>